Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Guys, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid, okay, whenever I became sick, right? And I mean sick to the point. It wasn't just like I'm trying to miss school sick, you know? <laughs> I mean sick to the point where uh, I needed medicine, okay? You, you, you need medicine. And I remember thinking, I don't know about you, but back in the day, I'd rather be sick I would rather be sick than to put something that was gross and yucky. I mean, it was like, I mean, seriously. And it'd be like, mm, mm, well, you need some medicine. Mm, mm, ah, ah. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, right? Now, now, here's the thing. I knew, I knew that eventually, a few minutes to half an hour, I would start feeling better. The medicine. But even though the medicine was yucky, I knew it was good for me. And it was going to start, it was going to begin to make me feel well. You guys, I'm with you. Now, I know, I know that uh, when I talk about yucky tasting medicine, I lost half of you. Because today there is no such thing as yucky t- tasting medicine. Okay, there's not anymore. The, I mean, the manufacturers of the medicine said, wait a minute. If it tastes like candy, then the people will be more often to take it and will sell more. Uh, just a side note, I don't know if you remember this, but as a kid, I, would, I was given vitamins, and they were the Flintstone vitamins, and they were yucky. I'm just telling you, they tasted like chalk and something, and I, I mean, I'd rather not have vitamins than that. Now, today... They have vitamin gummy worms, right? And I mean, you give me a handful of those, I'm good with that, right? I'm like, those are vitamins. No way. You kidding me? As a matter of fact, I'll never forget. Some of you will know this. I'll never forget when bear aspirin came out with their children's aspirin. Eva, do you remember that? Orange flavor. And I'll tell you what. I was just a kid and I found them. I did. I found them, and they tasted so much better than the little candy corn that I was eating that I ate the whole bottle of aspirin and replaced them with the candy corn. (laughs) True story. Now, I know what you're thinking. Boy, that explains a lot. (laughs) That explains. This guy was a druggie since he was a kid. That explains a lot. Now, listen, it only happened once, okay? Okay. It only happened once. I didn't know D or anything. I just remember I never had a headache as a kid. I just never had a headache. Anyways, back to the point. Medicine. Back in the day, back when I was a kid, it really tasted yucky. As a matter of fact, now there's only going to be a handful of you, but how many of you remember the saying, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down? Right? There's a few of us in here. Now, I don't remember that because way before my time, but they used to do that. They used to give you medicine, and they would give you a spoonful of sugar to, to help, help the medicine. You guys with me? That, that, I say that, right? Now you go, Ben, what's your point? Well, here's the point, okay? I've entitled today's message, This Medicine Tastes Yucky. Why? 
For today, we discover that Jesus is going to teach us that our standing before God isn't going to cut it. He is going to instruct us that even if we try to keep the law, that we stall, we still fall way short. And this is imperative. Now, Jewish mindset, you understand that the Jewish mindset is they knew the law. They kept the law. The Pharisees and the scribes, you know, um, they kept the law. But the Jewish people still did very, they, they tried very, very hard to keep the law. And so today's teaching is like, um, Lord, this is, this is like medicine. It's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. This is, this is really tough. But if we were to really grasp what the Lord is coming to do, here's what he's going to do. He's going to bring freedom. He's going to bring healing. And he's going to bring hope for each one of us. That's what he's talking about, right? So we're studying, right, two weeks ago, a Sermon on the Mount. Now, let me recap this for just a moment, okay? If you hadn't been here, let me just tell you. At Calvary Chapel, we teach verse by verse by verse by verse. And so and so, if you, you come in late to the movie, you still understand what's in the movie. Because I'll go back and say, okay, here's where we've been. Now, here's where we're going. And so you go, oh, well, what makes you so different? Well, there's a lot of churches, nothing wrong with them, but they'll teach, they'll teach topical. They'll say, hey, one moment I'm teaching on this, the next moment we're teaching on this, and, but us, we just want to get the whole feel of the book. Okay? We want you to understand why Matthew wrote the book. Why? And I feel like I need to say this because I want to, I want to have you guys grow in the knowledge of the Lord, right? A verse taken out of context, okay, it becomes a pretext, and we can make it say anything we want it to say. And that's where we get in trouble, because we get mad at God because we're standing on a verse that it doesn't mean that. And then we go, well, God must not love me, because here's what his verse says. His verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and so with that, I'm going to jump off this building, and I think I can fly. When you hit the ground at 50 miles an hour, you go, well, what's wrong with... Because a verse taken out of... You understand that, right? Everybody, you understand. We teach verse by verse. I want to get you the whole flavor. And so again, we're teaching... Uh, so, so again, I'll go back. Here's what we studied. We started in chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And what it is, it's one of the most most misunderstood messages Jesus ever gave. One group comes and says... Oh, no, no, no. The Sermon on the Mount is part of God's plan for salvation. And if we hope to go to heaven, we must obey its rules. Okay? Your attention, please. There are two schools today that will say you have to keep the law. If you want to go to heaven, you have to keep the Ten Commandments. You've heard that, right? We've got to keep the Ten Commandments. Now, Here's the problem. The problem is Jesus comes on the scene and he gives us something even harder known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to try to go to heaven, keep the Sermon on the Mount, you go, Ben, that's even harder. So if you're going to try anything, try the Ten Commandments. They're a little bit easier. You go, but Ben, I can't keep the Ten Commandments. Well, no, think about it. There's a lot of people who go, no, 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 you need to obey these rules. If you're going to go to heaven, you need to obey these rules. Now, listen, I... I love the Ten Commandments. Why? Because it says, do not murder. And I'm good with that, because I don't want anybody to murder me. So let's obey them. Okay? 
It says, do not steal. Don't steal my stuff. I won't steal your stuff. We're good. But the point is, is that that's not what this is about. No, 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 Ben. Another group will come in and he says, no, 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 no. See, if we're going to charter world peace, right? We want world peace, right? And it says, this is what we need to do. We need to call it a charter for world peace and brings that nations of the earth accepted. If you just accept the Sermon on the Mount, still a third party of the group says that the Sermon on the Mount doesn't even apply today, that it's actually future, perhaps during the tribulation or the millennial kingdom. Now, in chapter 5, my Jesus comes on the scene, okay? And we talked about flying upside down. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, you guys realize this, okay? Go in your minds all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, it fractured everything. Everybody say everything, including yourself. It fractured. I mean, it messed everything. All of a sudden, we were flying perfectly fine, and sin came up to where we started flying upside down. Now, the problem with flying upside down is it ruins lives. You crash. You have no control. And that's what the world did. It started to fly upside down. And, and, and Jesus sees this, and he comes and he goes, oh, my, I need to tell you, no, 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 let's not fly upside down. I want to set things right side up. What happens, church, when you're flying upside down for so long? What happens when you fly upside down for so long? You don't even realize you're flying upside down. You with me? So when Jesus comes to turn it right side up, people go, what's he talking about? Whoa, this is different. This is heavy. This is, hmm. And that's what he is trying to do. But what we realize and what we need to realize is before you come to Jesus, you are flying upside down and lives are being destroyed. He wants to do that. The enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil, whatever you want to call it, guys, he wants to destroy our, help me, our marriages. That's what he wants to do. And when we are involved in that, he's He's laughing, and he goes, oh, boy, if I could just get that, I'll just pull you guys apart. He wants to destroy our lives. He wants us to go back to the bottle. He wants us to go back to the pill. Oh, I can't handle this. And and so, again, guys, think about this. Jesus comes in. He says, now, listen, lives lives are upside down right now. Nations are upside down. Can we agree that nations are upside down right now? Never in... Well, our lifetime for sure. Have we ever lived in precedented times like we are today? Like, let's be honest. Tomorrow, we have no idea what's going to hit us. From the Middle East to whatever's going on, I mean, we have no idea. And so Jesus goes, I know this is going to happen. So he comes in, guys, and he says, here's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming in. Okay, our world is upside down, it's flying upside down, and it's crashing all around us. Lives are upside down, right? It comes in and he says, I need to set things and right. I need to turn upside down the world over. And so I believe the Sermon on the Mount is for that purpose. Do you remember? Do you remember? The Lord starts off with the Beatitudes, okay? And he said, blessed are those. In other words, he says, happy are you in approval from me. 
Now, you need to understand, you need to go back just a little bit because I love, because he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? So if you are in Christ, God is well pleased with you. Do not let anyone or anything tell you, well, this is your past and you did this. and you. If you are in Christ, the Lord is well pleased. We had a baptism two weeks ago. The Lord is well pleased. Yes. Come on. You guys say amen. amen. But let's be honest. We don't believe it. Right. Let's be honest. Yes. Right? The Lord is well pleased. Well, because what we do is we do not take God at his word and we look at our own lives and go, how could God be pleased with me? I am such a failure. I'm such a mess up. I'm such, oh, I can't believe this. But that's not the case. The way he sees you, he sees Christ in you. Guys, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. But that's why he says, that's why the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, blessed are you, approval from me, all of these things. And we went through all of them. And we went through all of them. Now, here's what we need to understand. Jesus speaks a bit on how we should live. This is what he does. See, the Beatitudes describe attitudes that ought to be in our lives today. Okay? If someone looks at you, Raina, and says, man, you got an attitude. It should not be a bad one. <laughs> man, you, that girl's got an attitude. It should be like, wow, that girl's got an attitude from the Word of God. Huh. Because that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. This is what he's trying to do. So, so he teaches all of this, and all of a sudden, it's like he puts the brakes, okay? And he says, I'm going to change direction for just a bit. Okay, so picture this. There you are. You guys smell Jerusalem? There it is. Oh, I smell some cow. Okay, there, there, there's some good stuff, okay? And he looks at the crowd, and then he looks at his disciples, and as if to answer the question that nobody, nobody wants to ask, Jesus responds. What does he do? Look with me at verse 17, guys, of Matthew 5. Jesus looks at them, and I bet he smiles, and he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets... I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Very, 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 very powerful. That's very powerful. Because, listen, in order to really understand this powerful statement that Jesus just spoke, we have to do some work. We always have to do some work. You go, well, what do you mean? His statement is so profound because he says, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill the law. Now, we need to understand the law. So, what's he talking about? Well, you don't have to turn there. I'll turn there. Exodus 20, if you're there, it's okay. We're going to go through it. Um, Exodus chapter 20. Okay, we're going to read, Just I'm just going to read it, guys, 1 through 17, listen up. It says, and God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Number one, you shall have no gods before me. You shall not make yourself to carved image like any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain, for you will 
hold, you will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Six days, right? The Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed it, the Sabbath, and hallowed it. He says, honor your father and your mother, that, the, that your days may be long upon the land which your Lord God is giving. Look what he says, you shall not murder. What's the next one, guys? You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor shall you covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now, your attention, please. When you look over at your neighbors and go, man, he has a nice truck. I really want that. Okay, you're breaking the law right there. But the point is, is that this was the law given to Israel. You guys with me? And, and so here it is. So Jesus comes in and, and he says, okay, we have to talk. Now, guys, these are just 10 commandments. Now, jot this down. Did you know, do you know what the Pharisees did? They came and made 613 more commandments out of these. Okay? You know one of the things they said? You know one of the things they said? This was against the law. One of the things they said against the law was really, really, really crazy. They said this. You are not to work on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to plow. Nick, don't plow. Don't work. So if Nick is walking and he's talking to his wife, and he happens to spit when he talks. You ever happen to you? He's like, yeah. It moved the dirt. That was considered working. You just broke the law. But, but wait a minute. I mean, uh, you understand how strict they got. So basically, if it was me on the Sabbath, I'd be like this. And just waited for, for the day to end, right? Because we, could, we couldn't do any. I mean, you couldn't do anything. You realize, you realize in Israel today, they have the Shabbat elevators. Do you know what the Shabbat elevators are? They start Saturday night at 6 o'clock, Friday night at 6 o'clock, okay? Now, the Gentile elevators, you could go in and push what floor you want to go to. The Shabbat elevators go up and hit every floor and then come back down. So you walk in and you just wait for it to open. Because if you pushed a button, you were working. You guys, you understand the law, right? 613. 613. You go, Ben, where do they get 613 commandments? Well, 613 is the number of the mitzvah, and it's actually listed in the Torah. So you go, oh. As a matter of fact, here's what I've heard. Now, I want some of you to try this, okay? If you find a pomegranate, I am told that every pomegranate has 613 little kernels in it. You go, why? Because 
pomegranates were a staple of Israel. I've never opened, I mean, we tried it, but you know, you have to count them. Anybody up for that? If you get 600, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Now, this is important, okay? This is important. Why? Because Jesus just came on the scene and he said, listen, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. He says, I didn't come to destroy it, but to fulfill. This is so important because your mindset would have already went beep, 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 over here, 613, boom, okay? So, for you and I as Gentiles living in 2021, in order to understand this, we need to keep this in mind about the law. There are five things, okay? You can jot these down if you want to, okay? Five things. We need to, number one, the origin and the source of the law, it came from God. That's the origin and the source. You go, okay, okay. So God brought the law. The avenue of giving the law, guess who? Moses and the angels. Now, right now, as a Bible student, you're going ding, 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 ding. Why? Because when you look at this, Jesus is the new Moses in the book of Matthew, but he's often ministered to by angels. And angels came to minister to him. So you're going, wow, okay, 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 I get this, I get this, wow. Okay. The third, we have to understand the nature of the law. You go, what's that? It's not grace. It's not grace. Okay. The nature of the law is holy. It's just and it's spiritual. That's the nature of the law. Number four, what are the effects of the law? You ready? The effects of the law declare all men guilty. That's the law. It justifies no one. It cannot impart any righteous or it cannot have any life, and it makes offenses abound. You go, what does that mean? It means that we all break the law. This is what he's talking about. This is the effects of the law. Now, what are the law in relation to the believer? Okay, guys, we are not saved by the law. We're not saved by the law. And we do not live by the law. So it bothers me when I have friends who preach that we are saved by by Christ and Christ alone, but you have to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm going, that doesn't make sense to me. Because again, guys, we're not saved by the law. We're not saved by the law. So right off the bat, guess what? If I am to take the law, if I'm supposed to be saved by the law, Melissa, by the law, I'm not going to make it. I I can't do it. Listen, I can't even do the Ten Commandments, much less 613. I'd be so worried to spit and move the dirt. Looking for a fair, you know. And, 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 And so it's so important. So at this point, you and I, if we said, okay, for you and I to be saved, you have to keep the law, what would you say? That's a hard pill to swallow. I can't do it. I can't do it. Who, 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 who's going to be saved? Who's going to be saved? And Jesus comes in and he says, now listen, this is, this, is some, this is some yucky, tasty medicine, but it's going to help you. Why? He says, because I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Now, let's break down the teaching. You guys with me? Jesus says, do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. 
I didn't come to destroy it. He says, for assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot nor tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Now you and I go, we don't use a whole lot of jot and tittles, do we? It's Hebrew. A Hebrew was the very, but, but, but let's go back. Let's go back. Okay. What is Jesus saying? Jesus here begins the long discussion of the law and he wants to make it clear. What, pastor? That he does not oppose the law of Moses, but he will free from it the way the Pharisees and the scribes wrongly interpreted the law. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees came in the scene and they said, listen, we're going to expand the Ten Commandments so that we, so listen, so that we can be saved. And I can stand righteous before God because I've kept the law. The problem was, help me, they're hypocrites. He says, you guys are straining at gnats, but you swallow a camel. Now, they weren't literally eating a camel, so don't. He says, but he says, I didn't come to destroy it. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill, and that's what's key, fulfill. You see, Jesus wants to make it clear that he has authority apart from the law of Moses, but not in contradiction to it. Jesus added nothing to the law except the one thing that no man ever added to law, perfect obedience. This is certainly one way Jesus came to fulfill the law. And even though he's often challenged man's interpretation of the law, especially Sabbath regulations, you remember, Jesus never broke the law. You understand that, okay? He came to fulfill it. And he says, now, here's what you need to know about the law. He says, not one jot or tittle will pass away until the law is fulfilled. Now, again, think about this. Um, a lot of it is, let me just give it to you. No, you know how we say we need to cross our, our T's and dot our I's? Or dot our T's and cross our I's, whatever you want to do it. Um, but he says, that's going to be done. Indeed, guess what Jesus did? He did that. He perfectly fulfilled the law. Why is that important, Eva? Why is that important to us? Because if you're going to put your faith and trust in a Savior... You need to know, you need to know who you're putting your faith and trust in. Why is it so important that Jesus wasn't a God or a little God? Because then it's like God created some. No, 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 no. See, Jesus came in and he says, man, you're going to put your faith and trust. This is eternity rests in this. You need to put your faith and trust in the only perfect man, God, man who fulfilled the law. Now, one time I was teaching here, and uh, I understand there was semantics. I said, hey, listen, there are two ways to get to heaven, okay? And, and I said, you could be perfect, or you could accept Jesus. Now, you understand the semantics, right? And I had some old guy come up to me after service, and he says, you're, ta- you're teaching false. There's only one way to heaven. And I said, no, I understand that, because there's nobody perfect. There's nobody perfect. And so he rebuked me, but I was saying, no, 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 the point was, now, let's chat, let's talk, let's visit, right? Because I feel like this is important. 
Because what happens is that when people read this, the pendulum swings to the other side. You go, what do you mean? We begin to play, you guys know what I'm talking about? The famous grace card. Okay? The famous grace card. And I have had people tell me, well, they misunderstood this and think that Jesus came to destroy the law. Like we're, like there is no more law. But that's not what he said, is it? And you go, well, what happens? Well, what we need to understand is that Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. And you go, why? Because you understand the law was designed to bring us to Christ. The law is designed so you and I go, I can't. I need Jesus. Let me ask you this. If you are a law keeper, which, what are you going to say when you're on your deathbed taking your final breath? Lord, I didn't murder anybody. Lord, I didn't lie. I mean, really, which, what, what can we say? What can you and I say? See, this is what he's trying to get to them. He's trying to say, you need a savior. You, you realize your need for a savior. The problem is, guys, is when we pull out our wallet, and we get our grace card, when we live like we have no convictions, when we live, when our lives parallel those in the world, and when loving brothers and sisters call us on it, we stand with our shoulders back, our head held high, and we say, I'm under grace. I can do what I want. I can live how I want. And God has to let me in heaven because of his grace. Anybody ever, you ever hear that? This is the grace card, which means we fully don't understand grace. And here's what I've done. When we use that statement, guys, we somehow thought Jesus destroyed the law. And so now there's nothing convicts me to run to him. You guys understand that, right? You're like, oh. So when we sin or we break the law, but Jesus says, on the contrary, here's what I've come to do. I've come to fulfill the law. You go, what does that mean? Well, let's look at the next two verses. He says, whoever therefore, right? Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be great. He shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, one of the things we need to understand, there's, I want to give you two, two interpretations here. Okay. First and foremost, we need to understand that he says there is going to be somebody who, if you break the law or you break the least of the, and you teach men, he says, it's not a salvation issue. He says, but in heaven, you're going to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. He says, but if you teach men, what are we teaching him? But whoever teaches them, okay, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So it seems to me like there are going to be levels in heaven 
of those who are teaching the word of God that are going to be called great and those who have compromised the word of God who are still going to be in heaven but maybe not be called great in heaven. Then you're going, so what does that mean? That means that I would rather hear teach you the word of God than compromise for the sake of people. I may not have much in this world, but in heaven, and it's not going to be a prideful. Well, there goes Ben. He's great in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, how you doing? That's not what it means. It just means that I just know that I want to teach God's word how he puts it. That's the first part. The second is, is that notice, because James tells us a little something about the law. You go, what's that? In James chapter 2, verse 10, he says, for whoever, what, shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. And I looked up that word all in the Greek. Do you know what it means? All of it. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? If you do one silly, if you lie. I'm going to pick on Haas because he's over here. Haas, did you steal that paper clip? No, I didn't. You just lied. He literally broke the whole, the whole law right there. Pastor Ben, that's a white lie. It's a lie. So you understand, this is what James says. James says, listen, if you're going to break the law in any point, you've broken it all. So you know what you all are? Bunch of lawbreakers. This is what we are. Well, I've never. Are you kidding me? Here's the theme. Of chapter 5. He says in verse 20, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the, the kingdom of heaven. Now it's like, are you serious? Do you guys, do you see what Jesus just said? He said, if you are not more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees who knew the Torah, who kept, who tried to keep 613 commandments, He says, you're not going to heaven. And I'm like, boy, that's hard. To... <clears throat> Why? Why? Keep this in mind, guys. Keep this in mind. Because Jesus raises the standard of the law. Because I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. A lot of us go and we use this. I used this when, I was, when, when people were witnessing to me. Okay? I use this. Well, I've never stolen from anyone. Nothing big. And if I did steal it, I say I found it. I've never, come on, help me, guys. I've never lied. I've never murdered anyone. Don't we use that? Don't we use the big three? I've never murdered anyone. Now, maybe some of you, maybe you did. I don't know. But I've never really took somebody. Okay, okay. But Jesus goes, okay, so that's cool. But, but I'm going to raise the standard of the law. And you go, what do you mean? He goes, you said you never murdered anyone. Let's talk about murder. Okay, so here we are on this side of the pulpit, prideful, going, I've never murdered anyone. I'm good. And Jesus says, okay, um, let's chat. He says, verse 21, you've heard it said in the days of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Yeah, I've heard that said. That's, 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 we read it in Exodus. I'm, I haven't murdered anyone. He says, but I say to you that who is ever angry, whoa, with his brother, without a cause, will be in danger of judgment. 
And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Whoa, time out, Jesus. Time, time, time out. Uh, let's break this down. He says, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Well, I got a cause. You know? And he says, no, 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 no. See, there are times we get angry and we don't understand the cause or why we're angry. And so all of a sudden, think about what he says. He says, whoever says to his brother, Raka, you know what that means? That means empty head, worthless. It means you're judging somebody before you get to know who they are. Oh, that person is worthless. That person is... This is what he says. But it gets worse. He says, if whoever says, you fool. And in the Greek, here's what it means, guys. It means dull or stupid. It means like a blockhead, somebody who's just clueless. Okay? We've all been angry. We've all been angry. Jesus raised the standard. Now, listen, I understand there's a difference between literally murdering somebody and being angry. There's two different... We understand that. But the sin is the same because he's elevating the standard of the law. And you go, I've never called anybody stupid. I've never been so angry that I called somebody a fool. Have we? You're just like, Ugh. so I think I think in essence we're all guilty. We're all guilty. Do you ever wonder where anger comes from? Sometimes, sometimes it just it's just in you. I'll never forget that. Oh, oh, but wait, Pastor. Here it says, it says, my brother. Okay, so I can be angry at strangers on Loop 289 when they cut me off. You don't learn how to drive, drive it or park it. You Do we not? But see, the anger. And so he says, okay, so, so you got that. Now, you and I are going... Hey, Eva, can we just stick to the Ten Commandments? Because <laughs> Jesus just... Ra- hey, you know? Uh, but then he says, let's talk about the law of reconciliation. You go, what do you mean? Like reestablishing the personal relationships. Look at verse 23. He says, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, you see what is therefore. He just talked about murdering your brother. He says, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, then offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on your way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out until you have paid every last penny. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, sometimes we're angry. And sometimes it's the law of reconciliation. And he's coming to us and he's saying, hey, by the way, you know that person that you're angry with or has something against you? You need to make it right with them before you come to church, before you come to the altar. And you're like, wait, 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 what? 
Ben, 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 I can't, I, I can't go and ask forgiveness to everybody that I've ever offended. But what he says is that person that he puts in your mind right now, you know that person you're thinking of right now? That's the one you probably need to go and say, hey, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? You guys know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? That one. And, and, and this is what he says. He says, guys, listen. He says, leave your gift. He says, before you come. And he says, because what's happening, he says, is that you're actually in prison yourself. Yeah, but, but he doesn't deserve my... He, he just... Uh, that's not the point. The point is, is that you're in prison because the very person that God put in your mind right now, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, let's get that right. Let's get that right. You go and say, hey, Jimmy, I'm sorry, man. Will you please forgive me? Well, you're an idiot. Well, okay. But what happens at that point, the prison doors are open. I'm free. And then he illustrates it. Do you guys see the illustration? He says, he says, what happens is that, man, they got something against me. I'll use me as the bad guy. They got something against me. And all of a sudden, he says, they come in here, right? And, and basically, they say, okay, let's go. We're going to take you to the judge. Now, what would happen is they would go to the judge. The judge would offer a sentence. Ben, did you do this? Yeah, I did this. You're going into prison. He says, quickly, on the way to court, confess. Hey, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Well, you said that, but you owe me, you owe me $16. Well, let's go to the bank right now. Let me just take care of this. What happens, guys, is he says, before you get to the judge, try to do that. So it's the law of reconciliation. The problem is, is that we, we so need God's grace because so many times we come to church and we still have some bitterness and some ugliness and some anger, and some unforgiveness in our lives. And so you come, and the worship starts, and you go, okay, Lord, I just need to hear from you today. I just need to hear from you. And that person pops in your mind. Maybe it wasn't a big thing. Yeah. Now, what do, I know what I do. I don't know what you do. I sort of push that away from my mind. And, but I'm really not worshiping the Lord. And then I'll tell you what happens. So, Lord, I'm not, listen, Lord, this has been a long time. I'm not going to call that person. It'd be weird. Hey, man, I haven't talked to you in five years, man. And all of a sudden, what do you do? You see him at Market Street, don't you? Okay. How much better for us as believers to go, hey, you know what? The Lord's really put this on my heart. I need to ask you to forgive me. I was a real jerk back in... 2017, I didn't treat you with respect or dignity. Will you please forgive me? Oh, bro, I hadn't even thought about it. I know, but I have, and the Lord, the Lord wants me to do that. I just want to do with that. Now, you might get the amen, yeah, or you might get the no, you hurt my feelings really bad. I know. I'm sorry. But guess who's set free? You guys are. I'm set free when I can, when I can do that. Now, again, I can't go back to, to, to junior high with the guy that I fought in the playground. 
But I can I know that, that there are times when I'm like, you know what, I need to I need to do this. Four words. Four words. Will you forgive me? Four words. Hardest words ever to say. If we really mean it. Will you forgive me? Jesus says, agree with your adversary quickly. Settle that, settle that anger and that malice with one another. When we ignore it or pass it off or genuinely imprisons us, and then we're thrown into prison. Let me let you in on another one, and you guys know this, okay? When, when, we, when we don't purpose to forgive That still imprisons us too. Now, I don't have time to get into the whole, you know, forgiveness and, and this person really hurt my... Because I, I get it. I get it. There's some wounds that are really deep. But the word I used is purpose. When we purpose, okay, Lord, I'm going to purpose to forgive even those who really hurt me because I want to be pure before you. I want to be able to worship. I don't want to be in prison. Because what happens is when you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're the one that's in prison. So you're supposed to forgive, not for the other person, but for you. So that you can see people in the grocery store and be okay. You can be okay. We have just a short amount of time left on this earth, guys. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to keep you in bondage in your own heart. But I can't forgive them. Cory Tin Boom said that one time. But the Lord said, no, you can't, but I can. And so she said, Lord, through me, help me to purpose to forgive them. And through time, we're able to do that. Through time, we're able to be like, hmm. But you know the Ten Commandments? What did Jesus talk about, right? He gave, the, 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 we talked about murder. What was the next one? It was adultery. And it's so funny, he brings this up. Notice verse 27. You've heard it said to those of old, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, t- hold on, hold on, Jesus. Listen, I've, I love my wife. I have never been with another woman. That's committing adultery. No, Jesus says, whoa, 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 hold on, time out. He says, let, let's talk about the law. See, because he knows, he knows that the lust in one's heart is sin. The problem is, is that it can lead to a sinful act. You, you with me? Okay, now allow me to say this. Jesus is not saying the act of adultery and adultery in the heart are the same thing. They're two different things. You understand that, right? He's not saying that. More than a few people have been deceived at this point because they go, well, I've already committed adultery in my heart. I might as well do it. Amen. Say they've been deceived. That's not what Jesus is saying. 
The act of adultery is far worse than adultery in the heart. Jesus' point is not to say that they are the same things, but he's to say that, that both are sin and prohibited by the commandment against, against adultery. Do you realize, and I know, I know, and I'm gonna be, I want to be really sensitive and be careful, but do you realize that eight out of ten people in church are addicted to pornography? Eight out of ten people are addicted to pornography in the church. Well, you know, I love my wife, but she lets me read the menu. She just doesn't let me order anything. You ever hear that? I can look, but don't. That's baloney. Because what happens, guys, is that that little look, that little thing, that little... It's, it, it's a path to adultery. It's a path to adultery. And I mean, think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love... Now, it doesn't always have to be, oh, baby, look at you. But lust can come in different forms. You know that girl at work? She really gets me. She understands me. We have, we have this connection. Now, we're just friends, but we have this connection. And I tell her my hopes and my dreams, and she just, she just encourages me. And I go to my wife, and I tell my wife my hopes and my dreams, and she shoots me down. I really like my friend. We have to be careful because that lust, something happens, and what do you do? Who are you calling? That's why, let me just say this. If you're married in here, if you're married, you need to work hard at your marriage. Yes. You really do. Yeah. And you need to protect it at all yeah. costs. You've got to protect it. Yeah. The enemy comes in and slides real easy, real easy. You think, man, you think, my husband would never do that, man. He's the pastor. My wife would never do that. She's a godly. But the point is the enemy comes in without knowing. And it may never be a physical relationship. Don't ask me why I'm getting off on this, but I'm just, the Lord is just. But it may never be a physical relationship, but it might be an emotional relationship that tears you away from the intimacy you have with your wife or your husband. Jesus says, man, listen, listen. We're guilty. And what we need to understand, guys, is that the principle, everybody say principle, is clear. Because a lot of women go, ah, see, he's talking to the man. (laughs) But the principle is clear. If a woman looks at a man to lust, the same principle applies. You know, my boss, he's just so understanding. My, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, you've got to, you got to really grasp that, man. Because what do women lust for? They lust for the security. They lust for, for, you know, they're a lot different than men, but still can end up in a bad relationship. 
You've got to understand, the mindset of, of the people that Matthew's writing to is going, I've never committed, I've kept the law, I've, I'm gonna, this is how I get down, I'm not going to commit adultery, I'm never going to uh, you know, hold another girl's hand, I'm never going to do this. And Jesus says, no, you understand, the law was to bring you to Christ. And so he raised the standard. But we have to understand what Jeremiah tells us in the word of God. What's that? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who could know it? So the standard's been raised by the Lord, and we're all guilty of breaking the law. So what is the purpose of how this medicine is going to heal? Well, Galatians 3 and 24 says this, Therefore, the law was our tutor bringing us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. See, you and I should never say, I keep the law. I'm good. We should go, oh, I've broken it. I need to run to Christ. I need to run to Christ. Verse 29 and 30, and then we'll close. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you than one of your, that one of your members perish than that your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you than for one of your members to perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. This is what Jesus is saying. Now, let me just stop right there, okay? How many times did Jesus mention hell? Right here. So when people come and go, well, there's no hell because Jesus never talked about it. He's talking about it right here. There is a hell. But the point is, is he's trying to teach us very lovingly, guys, that sin is so dangerous because it'll lead to eternal condemnation that would it would be better for you to lose a hand or an eye temporarily than to lose your life eternally. That's what he's trying to say. Now, he's not saying literally, because if that was the point, we'd all not, we'd all have no right hands. Or eyes. That's not, you know, we don't go, oh, look at this. But let me tell you this, okay? If you have a problem with pornography, get off the computer. Um, You go, man, that's so easy. No, 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 no. Let me just say this, okay? If you're really struggling, go to your wife and say, please, Put in a password so I don't go there. And I don't want to know the password. Please help me. Cut off that area. We think it's silly in the movie, um, uh, The Fireproof, when he's smashing the computer. But the point is, you didn't really need to smash the computer. You just unplug the motor. But the point is, is that that was dramatic going, I need to cut that out of my life. So drastic, listen to me, so drastic that maybe if some girl is hitting on you at work, you need to find another job. You want me to quit my job? Would you rather, would you rather have a marriage that was destroyed? See, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look at our lives and go, okay, I need to do this. This is why it's so important that we put our faith in Christ. Because I can't keep it. I can't keep it. 
I just feel like I need to say this. Men, listen to me. Women, there are triggers the enemy uses to get you to lust. They're triggers in your brain. You know who found out those triggers? Advertisers, media. They found those triggers. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. There's triggers. There's triggers. If it's sexual, they know what to do. Oh, oh, oh. If it's, if it's um, lusting for things, guess what they do? Be careful. Just be careful. Now, as we close, let me just say this. And I know Mike brought it up in his teaching uh, on Wednesday night. Here's what Hebrew says. Hebrews 10.28. Listen to this. A man who refused to obey the laws given by Moses was killed, dies, was killed without mercy if there were two or three witnesses. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Two or three witnesses. You go, what was the point? Here's the point, guys. If you broke the law, what was your punishment? Let me say it again. What was your punishment? So, So if you broke any one of those 613... What was your punishment? Death. We should die. This is what he just said. Now, when Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, guess what he meant? Somebody still had to die. But it wasn't me and it wasn't you. It was Jesus. So he says, this is how I fulfill the law. Now, because you're found in me, Ronald, you're free. This is my grace that's bestowed upon you because you're found in me. And when my heavenly father looks down, he doesn't see all the mess-ups that Ronald did, all the lies, all the adultery, all of that stuff. He sees Jesus. And he sees a man who wants to keep his commandments based on a love relationship, not out of duty. You guys guys tracking? Man, it's like Jesus wrote the Bible or something. It's so perfect. And that's where salvation comes in. You see, a prayer is not enough to save you. You have to understand the gospel and how it comes in and transforms you. You go, oh, I get it. I'm saved because of Jesus. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you came to fulfill the law, that I can find rest in you. Lord, I pray that every word spoken today, Lord, would move in the hearts of people. May your Holy Spirit move. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to just offer an invitation. Maybe you're watching online, and maybe you're here today, and honestly, you felt like, hey, man, I'm just a good person. Uh, I go to church, and I try to do my very best. I don't, I don't lie, I don't steal, and, I'm, and the Lord just told you, see, the standard of the law is risen, and you're not saved until you fully commit your life to Jesus. You see, guys, it's not about coming to church. It's not about being a member of a church. It really is about a relationship with God. 
And I want to give you an opportunity today to surrender your life to Jesus. And maybe you've given your life to him early on in your life, maybe at, at age eight or nine or something, but, but you realize that you hadn't walked with him and he has not been, and you are not a disciple. And somebody invited you to church today and through the message, the Holy Spirit began to knock on your heart and there you go. And you're sitting here going, man, my life's going to change. But I need to open up my heart. I need to invite him inside. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, if God is speaking to you, and, and you know it, you feel it, then would you just lift up your hand? Well, Ben, 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 why do I have to lift up my hand? People are going to see me. No, their, their heads are down and their eyes are closed, but I want God to see your heart. And when you lift in your hand, you're saying, Jesus, I want you to come in and change my life. I don't want to do things the way I used to do them anymore. I want to follow you. And what I mean by following you, Lord, is I'm ready to surrender my life completely. And if you want to do that, if God is speaking to you, this is between you and the Lord. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you for money. We're not, we don't do anything like that. I just want you to know that you have a relationship with God. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if, if, if you're not right with God and you want to be, would you just lift up your hand because I want to pray for you. Would you just lift up your hand? God bless you, sister. I see you to my left. Anyone else? Just, just right with the Lord. Just between you and God. Anyone else? Oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hand that was raised. And I thank you for those that are watching online. Lord, I can't see, but you can. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill them. They would confess and repent and say, Jesus, I want you. I love you. Come into my life. I want to be your disciple. It's that easy. It's acknowledging that he is God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.